0: And he went up on the mountain and called to him those who he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. And now, verse 33 but he answered them saying who is my mother or my brothers and he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of god is my brother and my sister and mother you join me in prayer father we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather and worship you and Also to hear your word and I pray you will strengthen me as I deliver your word to your people gathered here today. May lives be altered as we hear your word to become more like Jesus and more obedient to your will. And I pray and ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, up to this point in the Gospel of Mark, huge crowds have been following Jesus. He preached like no other. He did amazing miracles. But now, he has reached a crisis in his ministry. The religious leaders were openly opposing him. In fact, verse 6 indicates that they were actually plotting his death the political leaders some of them were joining them in this plot to kill jesus yet these crowds that were following jesus why were they following him many were more interested in the miracles seeing the miracles they were more interested in the possibility that he would lead a revolt against rome and set them free Only a small number were true disciples of Jesus. And even though the situation was beginning to look bleak. God is able to turn man's evil into good. And the rejection of the leaders of Israel led to the formation of a new people of God as we see in this text of scripture. And the foundation for that new people of God would be those 12 apostles. You and I are part of a church. The church exists because of the rejection of Israel, of their own Messiah, and the establishment of a new people of God. So this morning we're going to look at this text of scripture and we're going to see how the church began. We're going to see the mission of the church. And we are going to see who is truly a part of this church, the new people of God. Are you a part of the new people of God? Well, we see in this text, first of all, the beginning of his church. In verse 13, we read that he went up on the mountain and called those whom he himself wanted and they came to him. Jesus was about to appoint his 12 apostles. And the Gospel of Luke indicates that this decision was so important that he spent the entire night in prayer over this matter. These 12 apostles would become his representatives, his spokesmen. They would be the ones that would carry on his work after he went to heaven what an example Jesus was about prayer if he would spend the entire night praying for guidance about this decision how much more do we need to seek God in prayer for guidance and for strength as we face another day and notice that he called those whom he himself wanted as we compare the gospel accounts, it seems like he called together a larger group of the disciples, and then out of that larger group, he called forth the twelve who would become his apostles. Verse 14 says, He appointed twelve, and it was whom he himself wanted. It wasn't a a vote of the crowd of who would be the apostles. It wasn't them volunteering to be apostles. Jesus picked his own apostles. And, you know, he said in the Gospel of John, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, that you might go and bear much fruit. And why did he choose twelve Well, obviously, there were the 12 tribes of Israel descending from the 12 sons of Jacob. And so that number 12 is very significant. The 12 tribes of Israel, their leaders had rejected Jesus. The nation was going to reject Jesus. And so he was appointing these 12 to make up a new people of God. the foundation for a new people of God. And notice that Jesus did not appoint the twelve. Until after Israel and their leaders had already rejected him. So we read about these twelve apostles here. Can you name all twelve of them by, from memory? Did you ever memorize the twelve apostles? Well... They tend to be grouped in in four in the accounts, but the first three are very significant. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave Boargenes, that is, sons of thunders. Those three formed the inner circle of the disciples, and then he chose Uh, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. Now, I'm not going to go into detail about those apostles, but I want to make uh, some general observation. And the first is this, that they were common men. Most of them were fishermen. Most of them had other common Occupations. have you thought about the fact that not one rabbi was selected not one of the priests were selected no levite was selected jesus chose common men and you know if he chose common men then that makes us feel a whole lot better too because we're just common people aren't we and second, they came from various backgrounds. There was, uh, there was a Levite, the tax collector, and there was Simon, the zealot, who was an anti-Roman zealot. What a, what a contrast there. And we read about Andrew and Philip. They had Greek names. And they lived up in the northern part of Galilee where there was greater Gentile influence. And so uh, you had one from Judea, but most from Galilee, a wide variety of disciples. They were different in disposition. Peter was an optimist. Thomas was a pessimist. Uh, Peter was loudmouthed and brash and John was more quiet natured. And yet he selected different kinds of people to to reach different kind of people. Jesus chose the 12. And uh, these 12 were not well prepared to lead a new people of God. Boy, they lacked faith so many times. They misunderstood Jesus so many times. They lacked power so many times. They had so many failures saying the wrong things so many times. And yet, in spite of their weaknesses, Jesus was able to disciple them and to turn them into great apostles who would literally change the world. And if Jesus could change the world with such men. He can change the world with people like you and me. And so we read about the foundation of the church. We also read, secondly, about the mission of the church. The mission of the church is reflected in verses 14 and 15. Now, part of our mission is to train disciples just like Jesus did. In verse 14 it says, Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him. Jesus was going to have these twelve spend a lot of time with him. They would be with him day in and day out. They would listen to his teaching more than anyone else. They would observe his example more than anyone else. They would be edified and built up in their faith as they spent time with Jesus. They would share in the toil of ministry like Jesus. They would suffer like Jesus in ministry preparing them for the ministry they would have for the rest of their life now you and i can't physically be with jesus but we can spiritually spend time with jesus each day it ought to be a priority that we spend time with jesus reading his word and praying to him each and every day Are you doing that? You can be as close to Jesus as you want to be. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When I was a boy, I would spend a week every summer with my grandmother in Gainesville. And there were boys in that neighborhood that I would play with. And you know what I observed? That after being with those boys for a whole week... I became more like those boys. I started talking more like them. I started uh, doing the things that they enjoyed doing. They rubbed off on me just by spending a week with them. And that's how we are discipled. It is spending time with godly people. Pastors, deacons, and others. That's the pattern of discipleship that we read about here. When I served as a uh, full-time pastor, I would take my deacons with me on visitation. Why? Just to have company? No. In order that they might observe and learn about ministering to people and uh, praying with people and helping people in times of need. It was a mentoring process. And they in turn should do the same thing. Let me tell you something else. Based on what we read here. Where Jesus said. Listen it's important that you spend time with me. Now you can hear some great preaching on the internet. But if all you do is hear preaching. You are not following the pattern of true discipleship. True discipleship also takes place in the context of spending time with preachers and godly leaders who disciple you in person. Folks, that takes place in a small group. That takes place in doing ministry together. That is so very important in discipleship. You ought to take advantage of training opportunities that are offered by our state convention or your church offers. And so our mission as disciples is to receive training because we are to serve the Lord and reach the world for Christ. Secondly, we are to send preachers and missionaries out to preach the gospel. In verse 14, it says that Jesus appointed the 12 that He might send them out to preach. The first responsibility of pastors and preachers is to preach. It was the first responsibility of the apostles. And it is still the first responsibility of preachers today. And they're not to just wait on people to come hear them. But Jesus sent them out to go to where the people were. To go to the communities. In fact the word apostle means sent one. And it sent ones who have the authority of the king to proclaim a message. That is what the word means. And so the faithful preacher is to focus to a large degree on the task of preaching. A preacher who doesn't preach God's word is like a lighthouse without a light. It's like a watchman who sleeps on the job. It's like someone who has a trumpet and doesn't play it. In 2005, Tom Rainer did a survey and research of the churches who were doing the best job of reaching people for Christ and growing. And he discovered that The pastors of those churches spend about 20 hours a week in preparing and preaching and teaching the word of God. But the churches that were not growing and reaching people had pastors that only averaged two hours a week preparing for their sermons. Folks, it is clear from the Word of God that one of the primary jobs of a pastor and preacher is to preach the Word of God. Missionaries are to go and preach and share the Word of God. But something else that the church is to do is to minister to the suffering. Note in verse 15 that he gave them power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Clearly, they were extending the Ministry of Jesus not only by preaching but also by healing and casting out demons. And there's a close connection between the preaching ministry and the healing ministry they were to engage. What's that connection? The healing ministry, by way of miracle, validated their preaching ministry. Jesus did. Not only preached but also did miracles, and so when his apostles not only preached but also did miracles, then they were clearly his representatives, empowered by Jesus himself. They were to carry out that work. Now, the question is are we today supposed to do miracles and cast out demons like the apostles did? Well, I wish I could, honestly. Uh, my wife would be the first one. I would pray over and uh, and just heal right on the spot if I had the power that the apostles did. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 12, Paul talks about the signs of an apostle. They were uniquely able to do miracles of healing and casting out demons and so forth. That validated their ministry and their message. But folks, we do not need the validation of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the validation is recorded right here in the book. We have the eyewitness testimony of many people. It's in the book. It's already validated. And furthermore, every time a soul is saved, every time a life is changed, every time an alcoholic is set free from alcohol. Listen, God is validating the message of the word of God. And so we are to continue, not necessarily with miracles of healing like they did But we are to continue the healing ministry of Jesus in the way that we can do it today. We can go and visit the sick. We can pray over them. We can ask God's people like you do to pray for them. And yes, we do see God heal. Yes, we do see God do wonderful things as we work together and pray together and minister together and share the hope of the word of God together. That's our task. And so we see the founding of the church. We see the mission of the church. But finally this morning we see the true members of his church. Are you a part of this new people of God that Jesus himself established? The new people of God who did what Israel failed to do and that's to carry the blessing of salvation and the knowledge of God to the nations are you part of this great work this great life-changing work who is a part of the people of God well the Jews thought that they were the people of God simply by birth just because they were Jews but Jesus is going to set something straight about that. Let me give you the background of what his teaching is. You know, he's he, he was thronged by the crowds, and his mother and brothers and maybe sisters as well. They came to Jesus, and they were beginning. I don't know about his mom. I, I have. I don't know his mom fell this way but 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 his brothers in particular didn't even believe on him at this point they thought, as we see in verse 21, he's getting a little cuckoo. He's getting a little imbalanced. They thought his, his zeal had carried him too far. He's going to ruin his life. Now, Jesus, uh, why don't you come on back home to Nazareth? Why don't you get a real job again? Why don't you get married and settle down? Uh, uh, they, they were trying to get him away from this task of ministry and so they said jesus your mother and your brothers are standing outside they want to talk to you and in verses 33 to 35 jesus said who is my mother or my brothers and he looked around at those who sat about him and said here are my mother and and my brothers for who does the will of god is my brother and my sister and my mother oh i'm sure they meant well i'm sure they were very sincere in their concern for jesus but what they wanted was contrary to the will of god their will was contrary to god's will and jesus was determined to do the will of his father and he didn't even go out and talk to him immediately. Now, what do we learn from this? First of all, we learn how we do not become members of his church. Jesus was demonstrating that you do not have a connection to him by virtue of physical birth. Even his own brothers did not automatically enter into the kingdom of God apart from faith in Jesus. The fact that they were Jews, the fact that they were his own brothers was as no spiritual advantage or benefit. And you know what that means? Just because you were born into a Christian family doesn't mean you're a Christian. You, know, you you ask a typical Catholic, or are you a Christian? Yeah, I, I was born a Catholic, you know. I, I, I was, you know, had all the sacraments and I've been through everything. No, that's not how we're saved. We're saved by personal faith, commitment, and repentance of our sin in Jesus Christ. And so notice how we do become members of His church. How does one enter into the family of God? He says it's not by physical birth, but by spiritual birth. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. You need to be partakers of the divine nature as the Bible talks about. God must be your father. In Jesus, you have a, must have a spiritual relationship With him. And listen, this is not, being born again is not something you accomplish with works or sacraments or anything like that. It is a work of grace that you simply receive by faith. That's how we're saved. So have you been born again? Have you? Are you a part of this new? Family of God well Jesus gives in verse 35 an evidence of whether or not you are part of the people of God what does he say he says for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother you know sometimes we wonder was I adopted or am I really born into this family well if you bear the likeness of the family that really helps (laughs) you know okay i'm i'm probably part of this i was born in this family i'm truly related uh to this family And it's true with the family of God that you bear the likeness of Jesus. You bear the likeness of God. Jesus was always obedient to his Father as we see demonstrated in this text of Scripture. And those who are part of the family of God do the will of God. You have a desire to do the will of God that comes from the new nature that God gives you when you're born again. You not only have the desire to do the will of God, but you have a new power to do the will of God. And generally, you do the will of God. If you lack the desire to do the will of God, if you lack the ability to do the word of God, the will of God, I'll question whether you are truly a part of the family of God. He's not saying that we become members of the family of God by doing the will of God. He's saying that doing the will of God is an evidence that you've been born again. Until there's a change of nature, there will not be a change in desires and a life of obedience you cannot do the will of god in your own strength it requires being born again it requires the power of the holy spirit within you it requires the strengthening of the teaching of the word of god in your life then you can do the will of god well who may become a member of this people of god Well, the Jews did believe that there was a way to become a a, a part of the people of God besides being born a Jew. They did accept proselytes who would become part of the Jewish people. But what does Jesus say in verse 35? For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. I like that whoever, don't you? Whoever. Doesn't matter what race you are. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. Doesn't matter about any of those human realities, all that matters is whoever you may be. If you repent of your sins and trust in Jesus, the Savior that God has sent, you can be born again. And become a part of the family of God. Become a part of the people of God that brings salvation and blessing to the world. And I tell you, I'm looking at a society and a world that is crumbling, folks. It's in decay. We need to be salt and light. Be a part of the family of God. And so as I give the invitation this morning, I ask you, have you been born again? Are you part of the family of God? If not, I invite you to bow your head and repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be your savior and change your life. If you're already a Christian, the question is, are you a part of a local family of God? Listen, God wants us to grow in the context of a church family. We need each other. We need the support and love of a family. Lyndon Johnson, when he retired and uh, was leaving Washington to go to Texas for his ranch there, they asked, why are you leaving the city? He said, because there, when you're sick, they ask about you. And when you die... They cry. We need. To live in the context. Of a. Family. A spiritual family. That together loves God. And grows in our faith. Are you part of that family. Who well, you can be. Because Jesus said. Whoever. Whoever. Let's bow in prayer. Father we thank you. For your gospel that is for whoever and I pray Lord if there's anyone here today who would acknowledge that they're not born again I pray they'll be born again by faith in Jesus today Lord if there's anyone that needs a church family I pray that they would consider this church as their church family as we give the invitation Lord and Father I thank you that you're still calling people out to preach. And I pray if there's someone that's called to preach, that answer that call. Answer the call to be a missionary. Lord, work. Help this church to be a salt and light in this community. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.